Mean monsters are no match for me and my band of merry men. We'll liberate everything they've stolen from the countryside. Just because I haven't seen any Terminators, that doesn't mean they won't appear. I won't let Skynet win here, too. That's it, Mint! Squeeze through that cave like crap through a goose! Monsters don't even have a country to die for! They kidnapped some people from the village, and I'm not gonna take that lying down! Get away from them, you bitches! Seems rather a waste to send a double O out here, but double O eight didn't make it, and M can't stand a job undone. At least I have time to save her on my team. Shake it, stop. Hey, all your heroes, did it ever occur to you that maybe I can handle protecting farms just fine? Really? Great, I've got a magnificent bastard's book to read. Skynet wouldn't try to take over here anyway. Too rural. Now that you mention it, this really does seem pretty far from Nottingham. Ah, oh, well. Alex Trebek looks happy lately. I should go find his mother. If you fail, I'm standing to nuke this place from orbit. Phew. It was getting crowded around here. I don't need any rivals for a spouse after all. There are RPGs long forgotten beyond that which is known to the modern gamer. It is a catalog vast as space and timeless as myth and legends. It is the middle ground where panelists from RP Gamer discuss computer and console RPGs from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. This is a dimension of adventure beyond your imagination. This is the RPG Backtrack. And here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Philip Willis and Mike Meeky. Welcome to RPG Backtrack number 46, Dirt Rage. We are going to be talking about a ton of Harvest Moon Factory Room something or other game today, right? It's the sister series of Harvest Moon. Yay! Rune Factory. When Legend of Zelda meets Rune Factory. Or meets Harvest Moon, sorry. Dang it, botch that up. Anyway... <laughs> It's least, Phil, it's not, you know, the 20-some-odd games like last time. Yeah. Since, this one only has four. Since I botched up the names of the games, let's see if I can botch up the names of our guests today. Of course, my cohort, uh, Cahoots, and whatever have you, Mr. Mike Meeky's with us tonight. If you hurt those mice, I shall have the extreme pleasure of knocking you down and kicking your brains out. <laughs> and for his third or fourth time on the RPG Backtrack, Mr. Roy Bird. Nerd? Bernard? Ray Bernard! <laughs> I think this is actually like the fifth or sixth, but... Who keeps track? Yeah, I'm hey, here. You can't expect Phil to keep track of math, not as an accountant. And... Believe me, I'm married, I'm married to an accountant. They can't do math. That voice you hear right there is Miss uh, Gecky Bunningham. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, Miss Sam Marshmallow. I'm knitting a scarf. And, last but not least, it says uh, Scott on my Skype, but I'm assured it's really Ada who's back with us for a second bout. Hi! Y'all ready to talk about some Room Factory? Yes! Oh, <laughs> good! <laughs> We're gonna... <laughs> 
Whew. Well, let's not let uh, let's not let those plants sit there one more minute longer without being tilled and watered properly. We're going to take a short recess, and we'll be right back to start getting into this wonderful series. And we're going to start off this uh, marathon with Rune Factory, a fantasy Harvest Moon. It was a good thing they included Harvest Moon in the title of the first game so we knew where the series was coming from. Uh, This was developed by Neverland Company, published by Natsume. And this arrived on the Nintendo DS here in North America August 14, 2007. This is a simulation RPG single-player experience rated E for everyone. Despite the fact that it has like all those fancy relationships and you know meeting girls at night and stuff like that, it's okay. They're all insane. So, you know. <laughs> so what's that? So the series is not exactly known for sane bachelorettes. <laughs> no. So very much. I mean, so anybody who's kind of familiar with. With the Harvest Moon, kind of, you know, just a recap in case you missed that huge marathon we did on Harvest Moon games. Harvest Moon games are known for uh, being a, somewhat of a farm simulation meets RPG. Usually plays some uh, some boy or girl who's inherited a farm uh, for whatever gosh darn reason, and, and you got to plant plant crops, pull up weeds, all this other fun stuff that sounds really boring in theory, but is actually kind of fun when you sit down and play it. On top of that, you can uh, give presents to uh, members of the opposite sex, maybe the same sex, I can't remember, uh, in town uh, to form relationships. Anybody. Anybody, okay. Uh, And in some of those games, you can get married, have kids, and all that other fun stuff. Um, In the Rune Factory series, they kind of took this uh, in a little bit of a different direction, uh, putting together some Legend of Zelda mechanics in here, allowing your farmer for the first time to actually be able to uh, go into caves and stuff and beat up on monsters and plant farms inside these dangerous caves and all kinds of other little mechanics that actually feel more at home in a Legend of Zelda than a Harvest Moon. Is, is, is this is this uh, is is this an accident waiting to happen, or does this go together like peanut butter and jelly? That's what we're here to discuss tonight. Let's start with Miss Becky. This is where Becky tells me she doesn't play the first one, right? Well. What's no, that? I have played the first one. <laughs> yes, I guess I played, correctly. I've played all of them except for number two. Mm-hmm. Um, but first of all, you're not actually hurting the monsters. You're sending them back to the first forest with oh. the liberal application of your weapons. As you beat the crap out of them with your sword, right? Yes, exactly. Okay, just checking. <laughs> but yeah, no, the first the first Rune Factory had a few kinks to iron out, but it was it was a pretty cool combination that gives you a little bit of break from farming all the time going into the um, 
caves and eating up monsters, you can also befriend the monsters and they can work your field for you, which is pretty awesome for me because eventually when your field gets so big, it's kind of a pain to work it every day yourself. So you can wait. So tame the monsters and get them to work in your so field. So aside from beating the crap out of them to make them run back to the happy forest or whatever, you can also enslave the beasties. So this game has murder, it has slavery. What else does it have? <laughs> Yeah, my husband's always saying that whenever I play the game. You're those poor monsters. You're making them your slaves. I'm like, they're not slaves. They're friends. They're friends. You pet them with the happy glove, and they become your friends. And then they, then they, then they water your field for you if it's a water monster. So this is not Conan the Barbarian, right? No. Uh, hardly. Wait, wait. If the water monster waters your plants, what do the fire monsters do? Nothing. Uh, you, Crap. You, you don't. They, they don't work in your field. They should burn them down. That would be so awesome. They can help you fight, though. Mm. So the problem is though that the AI like in the game was absolutely terrible. Like even if you got a water monster, it the AI was just so bad that it only did like two squares a day, and you think, oh great, I'm going to catch. This great water monster, he's going to water my field. And then you look out your window and you become a sad farmer warrior because nothing happened. (laughs) I had had them watering my whole field in Rune Factory 1. You just had to give them a little experience and and give them more happy glove every day so that they liked you better. That's the lazy man's way of doing things. I demand it done right away and the max power way. (laughs) Which is, you know, the... uh, you know, the fast way, but dumber. <laughs> Stupid max power. <laughs> um, I guess I'll throw my two cents in here about Rune Factory 1, um, at least with the game mechanics. Um, I'm with Ada that the AI was a little sloppy at points, especially for some of the boss fights. I found some of the boss fights in that game pretty atrocious at times. Particularly the one yeah. boss that drove me nuts was the Siren boss, because it would just jump out at random... And you were never quick enough to always get a hit without being hit yourself. And because that boss in particular just goes in a circle and then uses its water beam that can hit you from anywhere, um, it never felt like a fair fight for the most part. And like, while there's some unique ideas for boss fights, like there's a, a tank boss fight in one of the caves. Like That one's really cool. The tank runs on a, a track, and you have to chase the track to catch the, the tank, and you have to hit it, but... Like, there's some good ideas, and yet the AI itself just was kind of wonky and a bit all over the place. Um, so that aspect well, I didn't like too much. The, the combat system is extremely rudimentary. You basically have a weapon, and you hit the monsters with it. But it being sort of a Harvest Mooney type game, you also have stamina. So you run out of stamina if you hit the monsters with your um, weapon too much, which is why you make... This is where Rune Factory, the name, came from. This is important. Um, the, the name Rune Factory comes from what you do in the caves. You grow crops in the caves, but then you leave them there once they're mature, and they make a little rune every day, and the runes restore your stamina. So you make little rune factories in all the caves so that you can get through them without running out of stamina. But that's basically ah. all there is to the combat system, is, is hitting monsters with sticks. And, and truthfully, that rune aspect is kind of irritating for some of those dungeons, considering where some yeah. of the plots are placed. And it does take a Behind while lots for of those hostile plants. monsters, yeah. With the hostile monsters, plus how long it takes for plants to grow in the caves, um, 
you feel like you're it, it takes a lot longer to do things in the game to the point where you have to wait maybe three or four days before you can actually start really tackling the dungeon which I am an impatient type person for me it's I want to farm when I want to farm and I want to fight when I want to fight you know that's how I tackled a lot of these games and well it's probably not the best strategy um, I just found it's so futile in some cases to plant the crops in the caves. I just always had bad luck that it just so happens like, ooh, there's a plot here, and then, oh crap, there's a shitload of hostile enemies, what am I going to do? And I said the S word, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just killed all the monsters first, but yeah, it could be kind of annoying. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, despite the combat aspects, I mean, the combat itself, well, perfectly basic. I mean, it worked, for the most part, especially compared to the second game, which I won't get into until we talk to that. But uh, what about the Bachelorettes? What, what were people's uh, opinions on them, since these Bachelorettes were not as uh, nuts as some of the later ones? Are, are you... we going to talk about Mist? Yeah, <laughs> you were always saying you thought Mist was crazy stalker lady. She is. <laughs> <laughs> she was the so, one I always so... ended up choosing. But so there's a bunch of Bachelorettes though? in the town. <laughs> I'm trying to make this actually make sense. There's a bunch of bachelorettes in the town, and you get to meet them. They all have different personalities, and Mist is kind of the default one that you're kind of supposed <laughs> to end up with in the first game. So now you guys can talk about Mist. Yeah, that, that was the reason I always chose her when she was on the box art. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. That would be the that would be the lazy man's choice of spouse. There you go. I choose you because you're on the box. Pretty much. But yeah, in the first game, Mist is just kind of a sweet airhead. She gets creepier later on. <laughs> creepier? Yes. yes. We'll talk about that in, in Rune Factory Frontier. Ah. Rune Factory Frontier. She's a creeper. Oh, jeez. No, There's she other is. Ones. I married Rosetta because she's the um, shop girl, but she also um, carries the stuff back and forth from the um, shipping box, which is usually in Harvest Moon a, a job res- reserved for this big muscular dude. So I thought it was pretty awesome that Rosetta takes out the um, shipping box stuff. I liked her a lot. I was actually going to pick her for a while, but then I kind of found my true love in Melody, the ditzy bath owner. <laughs> because pretty much to make her happy... <laughs> Pretty much all you had to do to make her happy was go take a bath and give her grass. <laughs> she likes the weed. Pretty much. <laughs> but all she ever talked about was the bath. She was boring. <laughs> she was creepy in that sort of like, ooh, witchy-poo sort of way. Plus, you know what? I got lazy towards the end of my game. It was like, I just want to marry somebody. I'll marry you because you like grass. <laughs> 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 and I don't work for my women, as like you've all already noticed. <laughs> I married Mist, even though she's a creepy stalker. Uh, I can't hear Ada. Wait, Is your mic turned. Oh, one second. Oh, it's flashing. There you go. Yeah, I can hear you now, Ada. 
talking to Can you hear her? Now I can't hear her. Can I get Ada? Talking. There you go. There. I'm talking, talking. Sorry. Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear a word they say. Junes! Shush! Actually, I like that. That was awesome. But why did you marry Mist, Ada? Explain. Because... One day, I came home from out working in the caves, and it was raining, and Mist was in my house. And I wasn't aware of this. I didn't invite her over. Like, there is a function in the game where people will let you into their house if you become friendly enough with them. And she seemed to just assume that she could come into my house when I wasn't there. And so I I married her because... It seemed like the easy way out to stop her kind of creepy behavior, to just kind of have her in a contained space where she couldn't harm anyone else. (laughs) You married her so that she couldn't inflict her evil creepiness on any of the others. So you encouraged her stalkerism by stopping it. Yeah. You basically rewarded her for her creepiness. Well, let's face it, some of these bachelorettes aren't exactly easy to please. Like Bianca. What does Bianca and want? Sexy. Bianca wants you to give her pretty things. And it's like, I don't want to give you pretty things. That requires work. <laughs> yeah, she, she was the rich person's daughter, wasn't she? Yeah, she was the rich daughter. Yeah. I couldn't figure out how to make Felicity happy most of the time. She was not exactly an easy character to figure out. And then Which there was, was Lara. Uh, Felicity was a marriage daughter. And then there I don't was even Lara. remember her. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was Lara, who was the nurse. All you had to do was make sure that you didn't get hurt, and when you talked to her, she'd be all like, "Yeah, you're not hurt," and like her heart points would go up. But if you got hurt, her heart points went down. Especially she if didn't... you fainted, have to wake up, right? Yep, she was not happy with you if you fainted. Hey, that's kind of yeah. like my wife. She's yeah, not. Recall... She's not happy when I faint after having like too many vodkas. Yeah, I bet not. <laughs> Yeah, as I recall, after some of those boss fights, she wasn't very happy with me at all. But I didn't care because I wasn't wooing her. Like, I'm not wooing you, so it's not a big deal. I always thought, though, <laughs> the doctor was kind of creepy looking. He had such a weird mustache. <laughs> I don't want to say what kind of mustache I think it was. Because then Phil will bleep me. Ampersand! But, pretty much. See, that's what's going to happen. The ampersand, if I say what it is. But we're all thinking it. Maybe. Is it like the Burt Reynolds mustache? Yes. There we go. So they're, they're, the the Bachelorettes are, they're interesting, but like most Harvest Moon games, there's generally not enough to go on to really want to woo them. I wanted, I'm kind of PO'd that when I finished the game, I didn't bother to go after Lynette, who's the general because, like, in the story, what ends up happening is that the main character has amnesia, and he's all like, I don't know where I'm from. And every holiday, there's this character, um, what do you remember what his name was? The guy who comes on in the holidays? I don't remember his name at the moment, but he comes from an, the, the, the empire that's supposedly coming to invade the small town of Cardia, which is where all the characters in Rune Factory are, are from. And... The main character, as the game goes on, slowly retains his memories. 
And pretty much he finds out that there's actually a war and they're going to be invaded. And Lynette is one of the generals who pretty much just comes into the town and says, hi, we're taking you over. And the main character goes, well, no, that's not really nice. And I don't like the fact that you're not being very nice. So you have to try to persuade her into staying into the town. I kind of wish I tried to do that, but by the time I finished Dream Factor, it was like, no more. Especially <laughs> because I'd already reviewed four Harvest Moon games that year. Yeah. Well, one thing, one thing that stuck out to me about the game when I got to spend a few minutes was it was the the art direction. It looked really pretty to me for a DS game. Was, was that did I just miss other Factor or Harvest no, Moon no. games? Was it not prettier, or is that pretty much how they all look? Actually, Rune Factory is surprisingly one of the nicer-looking DS games, but it's also because it's not developed by Marvelous. Like, mm. there's a different graphical style in the Rune Factory games compared to the, the Harvest Moon ones. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more, it's like soft colors. Yeah. And it tends to um, nice. Yeah. And, like, the character portraits are just, they're gorgeous in the Rune Factory series. That's one of the aspects I do enjoy about One aspect, however, I don't enjoy about the game is the localization. <laughs> oh boy. There's a couple moments in the game where like if you give certain items, the box will say something completely different. Like she gives you a tomato and you put in like something completely different. So that happens a couple times and then there's a couple items that weren't named correctly. Like for an example, one of the the fall crops is like I believe it's spinach with something completely different and it was labeled as a spring crop and then when you put it down it didn't work. <laughs> So there was a couple of little bugs like that that appeared in the game. Like not, It's not severe, but it does detract a little bit from the game's enjoyment. Now, again, localization errors, not as bad as Rune Factory 2, <laughs> but it's still there and kind of distracting. Also, there were so many typos in the game. I had a few months where characters were renamed. <laughs> not as bad as Sweet Code in 2, where it was Joey, Joey, and Jolie, but, you know... <laughs> It was a little floppy, and they didn't have a whole lot to work with in some ways, especially, like, I was kind of disappointed after I married um, Rosetta because she just basically said the same thing every day after that and just hung around my house and didn't do much. They they fixed that a lot more in some of the later games. Yeah, they make your wife useful in the later games, especially in Rune Factory 2. Hmm. Is there anything else anyone wants to add about Rune Factory? And I'm drawing a blank on some other things worth discussing. Well, I guess what I want to know is when you when when you all first went into this game, it, well, and as you played through it, how did this new formula feel to you? Did it feel like, oh wow, this was a really great improvement, or was it just really cool at first, but then the newness wore off? How how did this how, for the first game? How did this formula of putting together some Zelda mechanics with Harvest Moon? Did it just go together like peanut butter and jelly, or something different entirely? Well, my my problem with it is that I found that there was too much to do in in a standard game day. Like for example, you get up, you water your crops, and you could go into a cave or a dungeon and you could water your crops and fight some monsters but there's actually other things you can do such as cooking making weapons with in a, and your character has like lots and lots of skills and they all start at zero of course but um, the higher you upgrade them the better things you can make and honestly but like it, it gets so late in the day that your character starts fainting because you've used up all his stamina and it feels 
like you haven't managed to accomplish everything you set out to do. So I think this game had a lot of timing issues, whereas there's other games like Harvest Moon where sometimes there's too little but or too much as well. But it seemed like the timing balance was kind of out of a line. It just seemed there was too much to do. Mm. Anybody else have any thoughts they'd like to add to that? I, I remember I, I didn't quite finish this one because I think that I thought it was a really good start, and I thought it was pretty cool to have the dungeons in along with the farming sim, but it still had a few too many rough edges, and I got a little tired of um, the dungeon crawling because it was a little bit too – it took a little bit too long to do, and there were some sort of difficulty leaps that were kind of a pain and required some grinding, so I didn't ever quite finish the entire storyline. I got married, and then I was like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> Actually, I do that in a lot of Harvest Moons. I get married, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm married. Game over. <laughs> oh, in some harvest. I was saying, some harvest moons like winning really is just the victory. <laughs> uh, like, oh, I guess I got married. I guess there's not much else left to do. I think I proved your review, Sam, and I can't remember any of your salient points. I'm sorry. Um, I I guess I can just you know lead into I guess my last little bits of thoughts on it. Um, I didn't mind Rune Factory one. I like Becky said. There's a lot of rough edges. I mean, the proofing in particular was one that was just kind of inexcusable. Don't doesn't matter how much you you have to work with. Please make the text intelligible to read. Yeah. Um, the big thing for me though was I just really didn't like the balance issue in the bosses. Um, I mean, by the time I finished the game, my character was at level. 89? Something around there. How long did it take to reach level 89? I probably clocked about 60 hours on it. Wow. Which I, for Harvest Moon games, that's too much for me. I generally try to finish a Harvest Moon game between 30 and 40 hours. (laughs) So this one took me a long time, and that's just because certain bosses, like the Siren boss took me a long time. Um, I think I just used magic on her. I had I don't know what it was about her because I was not a magic user. I purposely was like I don't like magic, so I'm not really gonna bother with magic other than the healing magic. So I I think I made it purposely tough on myself because I just didn't really use the magic very much. Um, I just found the boss issues and balance a little all over the place, and that was kind of just my biggest complaint. Um, the bachelorettes were okay. The combat itself was fine and. Truthfully, when you get to the later, uh, the two later Rune Factory games, I mean, you see this major improvement in the combat. So there's, I think there's a good idea. I think there was a lot of potential. And I think Neverland just sort of had to figure out how they wanted to approach the game. Because, like I said, as the Rune Factory goes on as a series, each game does get better for the most part. Mm. For the most part. <laughs> um, like... The one other thing I guess I can mention is the graphical errors and the uh, glitches in this game. Um, there's a lot of, there is some screen tearing, and there is some moments where it doesn't look like the uh, gra- the environment looks entirely completed. I also had a few instances where some of the enemies got stuck on things, so they'd just be flailing in a corner, and I'd walk up and go, "Okay, hit." Uh-huh. Work it to my advantage. So th- little things like that. Like if the game had had a lot more polish, it probably would have been a lot better. Mm. Right. That and oh my god, the partner AI was so bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just didn't take partners anywhere. 
Well, you know what? I tried to take some partners a couple times just to see how it was when I was reviewing it, and oh god, they're they're painful. I mean, you walk in and after one hit, they're toast. Like the game pretty much is asking you to go grind with them first before you know going anywhere else. And I'm sorry, I'm not wasting that kind of time. I would capture monsters sometimes, and if you captured like the most powerful monster in the dungeon, that usually helped. True. I mean, it did, but then you take it into the next dungeon, and after two hits, usually it was toast. Yeah, that's why you capture a new monster. <laughs> eh, monster capturing. I hate the friendship glove, because I'd always get hit while I'm trying to be friends with them. Like, pet, 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 be my friend, be my friend. Smack, smack, smack. It doesn't want to be my friend. Oh, there's hearts. Like, that's kind of how I was reacting the whole time to the games. Like, be my friend, and then the monster's going, no. Hey, at least in this game, you don't have to guess what they like to eat. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But the thing is, there, there was something kind of enjoyable about touching animals with your glove of love. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, Roy, before this gets too out of hand, get it? Um, Steve, what were your thoughts on this game? Well, um, prior to playing this one, my only experience with a Harvest Moon game was, I think, of the Island of Happiness. I'm sorry. About to say, speak yeah, up. Yeah, you played a crappy one. <laughs> well, um, prior to that, um, I, I always heard Farming Sim. Okay, that sounds boring. But, um, I, I tried, um,. I tried early Island of Happiness, and uh, that one really didn't convince me that I wasn't wrong on that. But then, uh, when I saw Rune Factory, I went ahead and uh, got it, because of, actually the reason you were pointing out, Phil, is that uh, it has a really good art direction. Uh-huh. And um, I saw, I, the main reason I got it was, I really liked the box art, the design for the main character. So uh, and it, it was a much more enjoyable experience, if if a glitchy one, than what I had with Island of Happiness. And uh, actually, to be honest, the the whole monster killing mechanic, or the whole dungeon mechanic on it, was actually one of my least favorite parts of the game. I actually enjoyed the farming parts more. Yeah, it was definitely easy to run out of RP uh, if you were doing both of them, and time passes by still pretty quickly. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, it's a one second to one minute ratio, so your day yep. would pass by quickly, your energy would deplete quickly, and uh, and if you're trying to do the farming and the cave running and everything else at the same time, boy, and, and swinging your sword just seemed to take up so much energy. Good gravy. Yeah, did. That guy needs to. That guy needs to take some red bulls when he goes out. Gives him wings. RP Gamer does not endorse Red Bull or any other caffeinated beverages. Thank you for listening. <laughs> we should like try and get endorsements. Jim, Phil. <laughs> yeah. Snoop a Jewish Slim Jim. Ooh yeah. Sorry, I had to do one for him since he's no longer with us. <laughs> yes, that was that was my reasoning entirely because the Slim Jim man, Jake the Snake. <laughs> All right, I'm muting Mike now. He's insulted my favorite wrestler from the 80s. Uh, anyways, we digress. Is there any other thoughts on Room Factory 1? I agree, too, though. Cover art was really pretty. Any other thoughts? Yeah, Raguna is a really stupid name. I agree. This is true. That's the main character's name. 
Was it just because Laguna had already been taken for a certain other game most of us are familiar with? Maybe. I don't know. Raguna just sounds like pasta in a can. (laughs) (laughs) He is the ragu hero. But who's the Prego? <laughs> All righty, I think we're done with His this. Wife. No, no, we're His wife. we're we're done with this one. I'm I'm throwing the flag no, on the not. field. We have, to, we have to talk about the really creepy sound bites when you went into the shop. All right, you've got. <laughs> no, no, we're not. Okay, no, <laughs> no, really? no, you guys. No, Phil, I think Sam might have something interesting to tell us about this. All right, you got but one minute. Sound bites. Ada does better impressions than I do. All right, Ada, you're up. Hi. Hello. Hello. Rune Factory. Yeah, yeah when you start up the game, it goes, Rune Factory. It's okay. awful, like, how they talk. It's like, hi. You're just like, what? RP Gamer does not endorse whatever drink that Sam and Ada are having this evening. Thank you so much for listening. I don't know what you guys are drinking, but I'm taking it away from you. Hand it over. Only I'm so allowed to drink things on the show. You mean Jolly Ranchers and Gummy Bears? Yeah, obviously. Obviously, <laughs> you got the tainted batch. Yeah. Came from China. Oh. Sam, you need to recognize it for your own good. You too, Ada. These things are clearly warping your minds, and we need to help you, or else it's you may soon be coloring. Speaking of warping, let's warp to Rune Factory 2, a fantasy harvest moon. What Man. warp factor are we using to, re- to we're, warp to We're factor. using warp factor 2 to get to room factory 2. A fantasy harvest moon. This is developed by Neverland Company, published by Natsume. This is another Nintendo DS released here in North America on November the 18th, 2008. Another simulation RPG single player experience rated E for you. This one didn't do so well, I understand. Um, am I the only Sam one who's played this? Sam has many thoughts about the game. I was going to say, am I the only one who's played this one out of everybody here? Because I can make this quick. Yes. <laughs> okay, so, um, Rune Factory 2, avoid it like the plague. The reason I say this is because, unlike Rune Factory 1, which was kind of glitchy, Rune Factory 2 is very glitchy. Um, the localization errors are far worse in this one compared to the first game. Um, what else is there to go on? The AI is ten times worse. There's also lag in this game, which is kind of impressive for a DS title. Lag in a Um, DS game? Holy cow. Well, what ends up happening is, if you have more than two or three enemies on the screen, the character motions actually lag. They lag. And what ends up happening is, you end up getting hit because of the lag. So the game is recognizing the speed of the enemies, but it's not recognizing the speed of the character. I had far too many occasions where I'd go into a cave, have four guys come and attack me, and then all of a sudden the game slows down, and then at the end of the fight I'd be like, well, why is it slowing down? So I I could still hit them, but it was just very slow and really choppy and had no fluidity compared to the first game. So that aspect, like in terms of combat, was pretty bad. Uh, I mean, the combat itself didn't really change much in the second game, um, but I mean, there were some new features that were pretty great. Like uh, in Rune Factory 2, they added a job board, which they then carried over to uh, the third game. 
So in the job board, what ends up happening is you can go in and do requests for different people in the town. And if you do the request correctly, you get heart points and you get a prize for doing it. So it might be a useful cooking item, blacksmithing item. It could be a special gift for another girl in the town, depending on uh, what you pick. And the other really neat aspect of this game is the generational system. So for the first half of the game, the whole 30, 40 hours of the first half of the game, you play, you play Kyle, who is an amnesiac hero, who's all like, I don't know how I got here, but I was a messenger for somebody, and that's about all you know about him. He gets a farm from this girl named Mana, who's all like, hey, my dad has a farm, you should join my farm. And the dad's all kind of like, I don't want you touching my daughter, you really creepy random guy. <laughs> so that's the, that's the girl I ended up picking, was the girl with the crazy dad. <laughs> Had to. The dad was just awesome. He just reminded me of an Italian dad who's like, you're not touching my daughter, you grody person, you. And the daughter going like, I like this boy because my dad doesn't approve. So as it goes on, you know, you, you do the usual antics of courtship, going through the caves. Um, actually, the caves are also done differently in this game. Um, each cave is a season. So what ends up happening is there's only four dungeons in the game. And each is ranked by season and by its level of difficulty. So the first dungeon's a spring dungeon, the second one's a summer one, third one is the fall dungeon, and the last one's winter dungeon. Obviously, by that point, the winter dungeon is really hard because you have to fight a woolly mammoth who shoots his tusks at you. It was the same way in Rune Factory 1, actually. They were all seasons. Were they? So there were only four caves? No, there was actually uh, nine in were... the first game. Yeah, but they all had seasons still. Yeah, okay. in the... F- in the f- second game what ended up happening was they only they pretty much only gave you four and then when you moved to rune factory three it, i think it was five dungeons in that one um so in rune factory four you only had the four dungeons and then you'd have to go fight the evil boss in the runes that just happened to be under your house except that you can't do it as the first character kyle you have to pretty much woo your girlfriend. The only way to access the main dungeons, like, to get to the bosses, was you had to become Kyle's offspring. So that was the only way you could do the bosses in that game. So for the first 40 or so hours, you have to spend the game wooing a woman, going into the caves up into a certain point, farming, all that kind of stuff. Once you had your child, and, like, after you got married, you had a child, and your child goes to school, um, you can actually have, you get granted more access to the dungeons and stuff, which in theory is a great idea, but it shouldn't have to take me 40 hours to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the bosses are not as bad in the first game for being irritating. I mean, like I said, Mammoth with the tusks <laughs> was kind of bizarre, but I mean, the bosses were actually generally a lot easier in the, in the second game. Mm-hmm. Um, it just required a lot of running around and stabby stabby when you could. Um, so the variety Did was. Did the lag much. affect the bosses or were they alone? No, because the bosses were mostly alone, you didn't have that problem. In fact, the combat worked better when it was only one enemy. But in the in the like I said, when it was more than one, it was very problematic at times. So that was not so great. Um. I admit I gave it, like, a 1.5, but I think it's just because I felt like... <laughs> I'll be honest. I I got t- I took a lot of flack for this review because people were saying I was being too critical on it. But I also wonder if people got the same kind of glitches I got in my copy. Like, to this day, I still kind of wonder. It's like, did people get these glitches that I got? Or did I, like, get a really bad copy of the game from Natsume? <laughs> Did you look at, like, other reviewers to see if they noted the same thing after the fact? 
they did mention a few things like the screen tearing and the localization issues, but I haven't yet to find another review where the lag had happened. I've never read one, or if it happened to somebody else, it was very minor. They just said, oh, there's like a bit of lag, but nothing like game breaking. Meanwhile, I'm like, this is really game breaking. Because <laughs> the grinding in this game is worse than the first game in some ways. You mentioned uh, that the first half of the game is 30 to 40 hours, so does that mean minimum 60 hours for completion? Yeah, this one is probably, I think this one took me longer than the first one did. And that's just because, I mean, I had to take my time with the offspring. The offspring does take on your father's levels, so whatever level your father leaves off at, you you take it on as the child. It doesn't matter. Like, they're not going to make you start at level one again, which is really nice. Cool. That's really nice, and you know what? Like, nice you, kids just automatically knew what their parents knew. Yeah, buddy. I mean, like you inherit all the same skills, all the items, everything, because the second half of the plot in the generational system, because you can be a boy or a girl, pretty much in the game you actually have the option to pick, surprise me, when uh, your <laughs> wife gets pregnant. Surprise <laughs> so I, me. I got a boy in mine, because I named, I, I'm how horrible. much? Surprise me, you filthy brigand. Like, I don't, I don't keep the names of the Rune Factor heroes. I always name them something really ridiculous. Like, in my first game, the character was named Spiffy. And then in this game, the father was named Nifty, and he was a hoe. He, like, he, he was dating all the girls. And then I named his son because I got a boy. His name was Biff. And little Biff was like, my daddy left me. Because, let's face it, um, your dad's kind of a deadbeat in this game. Pretty much your mom gets pregnant and he walks out on you. Biff. You find out why at the end of the game, but Biff's pretty mad at the end, like in the game. He's like, "Mommy, why did Daddy leave us?" And Mommy's just like, "Oh, Daddy had something important to do." And then you're, you're the child character's like, "Well, that's unacceptable. I need to go find my dad." And that's why they take on the quest to go through all the dungeons to beat all the bosses to find out what's going on with his dad. Of course. And then you find out at the end of the game that your dad was a messenger for the Empire, <laughs> the Empire that was supposedly also going to invade your town. <laughs> it's not a very nice Empire, is it? No, no noble peace prize for them. (laughs) So, so maybe, maybe I could summarize this by using a a famous quote here that Becky wrote up on here. I pity the fool who played Room Factory (laughs) Two. I, I, I pitied myself. I think when Max sent me this game, he was laughing on the inside. So, so you're pitying Sam, Phil. That's I pity the saying. Sam who play Room Factory 2. You don't play Room Factory, Room Factory. Room Factory 2. Yeah. Whew, well, that's sad. Let, let's not dwell on this sad development. Let, let's move on. According to my notes, the next game that came out in the Room Factory series was actually on the Wii. Rune Factory Frontier, developed by Neverland Company, published in North America by XC. This is a Wii release on March 17, 2009, a simulation single-player RPG. Now, I know this is going to be a more fun, mature experience because this one's rated E10+. So I know this one's all gritty and cutting edge, and we've got lust and incest and violence and guts and blood and everything, right? It's not The Witcher 2. Dang nabbit. <laughs> Witcher 2 meets Room Factory and Room Factory Frontier. That might be Although a phenomenal actually, crossover. The, the incest was actually in Witcher 1. But anyway, the rest of it was in Witcher 2. <laughs> the witch, Geralt farms a farm with hoes a farm with an actual hoe. <laughs> oh, oh, that's <laughs> just mean. 
boy. So, who wants to talk about Rune Factory without making inferences to The Witcher? <laughs> I started it. I admit, I haven't played this one. I mean, I watched Becky play a little bit of it. Becky, go! It <laughs> I don't even remember showing you Rune Factory 2. I remember showing you... Uh, Harvest Moon. One. Yeah, I showed you Harvest Moon on the Wii. Maybe I showed you Rune Factory 2. Did I show you? Okay. Well, Rune Factory 2, um, sorry, Rune Factory Frontier on the Wii, not Rune Factory 2, which I have never played, um, (laughs) was actually, was was quite good. Um, Especially the best part about it, I thought, was the characters and all the dialogue. There was tons and tons of dialogue in the game, and the characters were really good. Um, the main character is actually a few characters that come back from the first game. It's sort of an alternate version of the first game of Rune Factory 1. So you play the unfortunately named Raguna again. Um, and it's a little weird because he doesn't remember anything anymore. But the other characters kind of remember him but kind of don't. But he gets he gets mail from the librarian chick in Rune Factory 1 and she remembers him. I'm not quite sure how it all works, but you just don't think too hard and it's okay. But there's a bunch of <laughs> just, there's a bunch of new characters too. Um, but this is a game in which Mist is particularly odd. I have a couple of quotes like I've been having dreams a lot lately. The other day I was talking to a very large fluffy chick. It seems that chicks have a lot of troubles on their own, especially with seniority and whatnot. What? Yeah. Something out of Pee-wee's Playhouse. And I've been hearing rustling around my house lately. Maybe it's a monster I rescued on the beach coming to repay my kindness. But I never rescued a monster on the beach. Yeah, she gets really weird. Oh, alternate realities galore. <laughs> yeah, there's another one about aliens that I unfortunately couldn't find in time for the show. <laughs> She's a little like- weird. Sounds like such a creeper. And she's still a creeper. She's, she shows up in your house even more and hangs around your field. Like, she's always, like, in your space. She's kind of creepy. <laughs> Can't say I'm thrilled. But there's some really good characters. My favorite new character is Selfie the Librarian in this game. Um, she's great. She's... Um, she loves to read so much that she forgets to eat all the time. So you can make her happy by bringing her food that she can hold with one hand, like um, rice balls and sandwiches, so that she can read and eat at the same time. Oh, that's too and, funny. And her favorite characters in the books, like she doesn't like the princesses and everything. She always wants to be the Wicked Witch and stuff. So she's got a great little personality. So she's the one I was wooing, although I never got far enough to romance her because it takes a really long time to raise the heart levels in this game. She sounds adorable. Yeah, that sounds really cool. But there's and there's actual character development in Frontier too. Um, for instance, there's one um, female character who starts out really out of shape and kind of homely and plain. And as you raise a relationship with her, you can suggest that she go on a diet. And if she does, she slims down. Oh no 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 no! Come on now, get out of here. That is so. <laughs> yeah. That is like the opposite of realistic. You ever go on a, d- a few dates, get to know a woman, the minute you mention that she should go on a diet, it's over. That's it. Don't yeah. talk. Uh, come on. This is a fantasy harvest. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but also, like um, the the bathhouse girl, the bathhouse girls in Rune Factory tend to look like witches. Um, but this one doesn't start out as a witch, but she learns magic over the course of the game from the magician girl. So they make friends with each other over the course of the game, and they like discover what they want to do with their lives and stuff like that. So it's really pretty pretty neat. Um, it's more character development than I've ever seen in another game like this. Yeah, sounds pretty interesting. 
Um, maybe, maybe, maybe Roy can mention the the part of the game that's a little more unfortunate. Unfortunately, I never played this one. Oh, I thought someone was complaining about the Rooney system. I was in. A, I, knew, well, I thought, oh, the Rooney system. Oh, I know they were complaining about the Rooney Isn't system. Isn't that what Nathan said in his forum post where he said that he wasn't going to be here tonight because he? Oh, oh right, right. I, I knew it was. I knew it was a guy. <laughs> oh, great! Sorry. Just lump us all together. I see how the prejudice works. <laughs> well, there's only so many of you that have ever played any of these games. <laughs> but, we're um, usually alone on these. Okay, so I'm the only one who's played. Hey, I watched. I watched. I watched the misses play it for like an hour or two in between playing, you know, something uh, wars on my DS. Okay, so the unfortunate part of Rune Factor Frontier, it has the usual farming system. It has kind of an interesting storyline. There's an island floating above um, the town that you're living in, which is gorgeous, by the way. The graphics are very nice, um, except for in the dungeons where they're really kind of just plain. But um, there's an island floating above the town that's like sort of it's shaped like a giant whale and it's kind of sentient, and so you're through the story you're sort of unraveling the mystery of this um, floating island and um, there's a weird tower on the island and there's some guy who comes to town and starts mocking you for hanging out with the villagers instead of being the strong soldier you used to be. So there's all these little mysteries to solve. Um, but anyway, with the farming system, um, there's a new system that controls how um, well your farm grows, called the Rooney system. And there's basically these Roonies that float in the air, and they're really pretty when you see them floating in the air. Um, and you have to keep the... There's um, three different kinds, I think, and it's sort of a rock, paper, scissors kind of thing. Um, they will eat each other, eventually. Nice! Yeah. That's so why we got the E10 rating. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. But the grass, you don't see them eating each other, but the grass runes will, um, don't eat anybody, but they multiply really fast. And then the next level, I think water runes eat grass runes. Um, oh, there's four kinds, right? Um, but they're eaten by earth runes and I don't know, stuff like that. Um, I probably have it wrong. But so you basically have to try to keep the runes um, balanced so that you have a balanced number of runes over the course of time. And it's really hard at first until you look it up on the internet to find the way to sort of exploit the system so that you can easily balance it. And there's no way you could figure this out on your own. Somebody did a lot of math or something. Once you do that and you keep it in balance, it's okay. But the problem is what you have you have this tool and you have to use it to suck up the freaking runes and then manually deposit them back in the atmosphere to keep them balanced. And it takes for freaking ever and it's a pain in the butt. And it takes an inordinate amount of your day trying to keep the Roonies balanced if you want your fields to be properly fertile. So pretty much I haven't met a single person who likes the Rooney system. It's really bad and it's really clumsy to use. And the sad thing is there's a map that you can go to in the in the Mage Tower to look at the Rooney population. And if you could just manually move the darn things around on that map, it would have been fine. But no, it wants you to manually suck them up with your Rooney vacuum. That sounds mm. dumb. It's dumb and obnoxious, and it's never coming back to the series because they realized that it's dumb and obnoxious and really screwed up an otherwise really good game. Is that it, explains why Nathan had to make a note of it. Is, mm-hmm. is it mandatory? Yes. That sounds um, it's semi-mandatory. If you don't keep the Roonies in balance, um, eventually they all you'll have left is like grass and earth, and you'll get, like, no yield from your fields. So 
if you want to grow crops at all, you have to at least try to keep the Rooney system in balance. Mm-mm-mm. Sounds like such a joy. Yeah, and you have to go. Oh, that's right. You have to go to every map screen in the game um, every day that you're balancing your Roonies and suck them up manually. <laughs> oh, and you. Have to, like, you have to like run around the map because you're literally sucking them up in the Rooney vacuum. You can't just stand in the middle of the screen. You have to like run to three or four places in the map to suck up the right ones. It's really dumb. Poo-poo for Roonies. So, aside from the Roonies, the game is good, right? Yep. Um, the, the combat is, is sort of, it's better than Rune Factory 1. Um, it's nothing really to write home about. It's basically sort of Diablo style. I would say, Phil keeps saying Zelda style, but I'd say it's more of a Diablo style um, combat system, except, you know, without the talent trees or anything fun like that. Where you just, there's lots of monsters and you run around and whack them. Um, Yay! There's no special tools or any puzzles or anything like that in the dungeons, really. Well, I guess actually there are puzzles in Rune Factory Frontier. There's there's um, catapults and various other things in the dungeons that you have to use to unlock areas. Now, Becky, I do have a question for you, my dear. Um, how is the AI a lot better in Frontier compared to the first two games? Um, yes, the AI is is decent. Um, you actually really want to have a, a monster partner with you when you're in the dungeon. At least I always did. I'm trying to remember. I think there's a good reason for it in particular. For one thing, you can ride monsters, and that makes it a lot easier to get through the dungeons um, because you can actually bypass large sections of the dungeon. In Rune Factory 1, you had to um, defeat all of, of these monster um, portals in order to get further in the dungeon. You don't have to defeat them to... Um, to get, like, you had to defeat every single one to get to the boss of the dungeon. They took that away by Rune Factory Frontier, and I don't think it's part of 3 either. Um, mm, so Yeah, you don't have to in 3. Yeah, you don't have to defeat them all. It's helpful. The monsters stop spawning if you delete, defeat their portal, but you don't have to go through room by room and defeat every portal to get to the bottom, which is good because Rune Factory Frontier um, has, I think, 5 or 6 dungeons, and they're really long. So, you... Once you've unlocked doors and, and gotten things the way you want to, you'll want to get on your wolf and, like, run down to the bottom of the dungeon. I suppose you could ride your cow, too, but wolves are cooler, so I rode a wolf. Hmm. But, yeah, and the monster partners are really helpful in most of the fights. They'll still usually die on the boss fights, but they're they're pretty helpful. Okay. So, a lot better than what we dealt with before. Thank goodness. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely, I, I, other than the Rooney system, like, if it weren't for the Rooney system, I would have played all the way through the game, but eventually I just got fed up with it and stopped playing. And it also takes I, a really long time to raise your social stuff with the with the villagers. I don't blame you. Mm. That being said, before we, I guess, meander, because I don't know if there's anything else to talk about in Fight Rune Factory, is there anything else you want to say, Becky? Because I'm going to tell a quick little story about it. About I'm, Frontier? Because we still have to talk about three. About Frontier. Okay, yeah. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell a story about something I know about the localization. Uh-oh. Okay, sure. Okay, so uh, for those who know, XC did the localization on this one, and lo and behold, it's a million times better than what we've seen in the Natsume ones. The yes, editor, it's really good. The editor who helps with the localization... Uh, her name is Jessica, and she's actually the person who did Trails in the Sky recently. Um, she actually played the game while she was localizing it, and she decided that her town was going to be called Blood Gulch, 
That's what she <laughs> named the town because all the co- all her coworkers at Exy were like, "We're gonna call it Cookie Town or Happy Town or Muffin Town." And she's like, "Blood Gulch." And then she actually tried to kill all the uh, all the lovely bachelorettes because she thought they were just so weird. But she's <laughs> for all the weird, awkward dialogue. That's her doing. So if Mist is extra creepy, she's the one to blame for it. <laughs> Because she's like, oh, I thought, I thought she was gulch. <laughs> I thought she was hilariously creepy and weird, but <laughs> so that's blood just a little. That, that was a battlefield in Halo. <laughs> I don't know where she got it from. I just know that when I when I did run to the sun one year, um, her and I bonded over Blood Gulch and our love of Rune Factory. <laughs> Rune Factory so, and Halo, dissimilar in almost every way. Pretty much. Yes. Yeah, and um, the, to, to speak of the Bachelorettes, um, a few more of them. I mentioned the shopkeeper's girl who's homely and you can make her diet, um, and the librarian and Miss. There's also um, a postal girl who is adorable, and she's always being chased by monsters, um, except the monsters are adorable little sheep. Um, but they, they scare her. <laughs> so she's, she's afraid of the woolies? Yeah, she's afraid of the woolies, and they're always chasing her because, you know, she's the postal carrier, so of course she's going to be chased by adorable little animals. <laughs> so, how many but, recurring. Oh, sorry. Oh, how many recurring. Rosetta's back, but Rosetta's actually a jerk in this game. Oh. She's, she's super materialistic, and all she cares about is, is making her shop as profitable as possible. So I, I like her in this game. Um, there's also the the traditional, um, I am very Japanese, I'm visiting this town, traditional Japanese um, bachelorette who they have in a lot of Harvest Moon and Rune Factory games. And there's a uh, magician girl who's really shy, stuff like that, and, and, the, and the bathhouse witch girl. I think that's most of them. I was going to say, um, is the token Asian character me again or no? Or May? May? I don't know. No, it's not May. Uh, her name is Suzuku, I think. No, okay. that's Factory 3. I don't remember. Yeah. It's not May. She's totally different. She's a cute little gal, and she's looking for her missing brother. So she has, okay. she has a story you can, you can um, resolve as well. They all sort of have little stories or problems that you can help resolve, even if you don't marry them, just if you raise your friendship with them. And the regular townspeople have um, problems, too. Like the guy who owns the – there's a guy who owns a general goods shop next to Rosetta, but Rosetta's super ambitious, and this guy's pretty lazy, so his shop is always terrible. And as you raise his friendship level and Rosetta's friendship level, eventually she just buys him out, and he ends up working for her. <laughs> and so <laughs> – it's it's really cool. The, it's funny. It's cool the way that the town changes as time goes by. I think that's a, a a great aspect that it's too bad that they haven't really put in the other games. I think that's just really nifty. Like to ha- to be able to kind of create change within the town. Uh, it helps that it's it's a Wii, so they had more memory to work with. You know. Yeah, that's um, true. Oh, yeah, and the town blacksmith is a sexy elf lady who is unfortunately too old for you to marry because, you know, she's, like, a grown-up and has a kid and stuff. Oh, jeez. Everybody wants to marry the sexy blacksmith elf because who wouldn't want to marry the sexy blacksmith elf? Stupid game. Not letting us marry the older... It sounds, Becky, like you you did what Nathan asked, which was to throw some praise for Rune Factory Frontier and its fantastic characters for him. And also to yep. curse the Roonies, because no one likes them except the little maid. Curse the Roonies. They're so stupid. Uh, uh, uh. So that's it. 
Did you try this one, Roy, or had you only tried the first one? Um, I've only ever tried the first one. I, I wanted to get it because I saw that it had the same character art and whatnot as this as the first one, but I never owned a Wii. Now, and Phil, I thought you had played another Rune Factory game aside from the first one. Was this it? Yeah, this is the one where I watched the Mrs. play for okay, a couple yeah. hours. Sorry. Well, I guess watching your wife play sort of counts. Yeah. What does she think about the Rooney system? <laughs> yeah, where is she? No, she didn't. She didn't. Yeah, she doesn't do podcasts. No, she didn't get as far as to actually get Roonies, though. At least I don't remember them, but then again, I was blowing things up on my DS at the time. Honestly, if she hadn't read Fogu.com, she might not have even known about the Rooney system. I think they explain it at some point, but they don't do it very well. So she probably just eventually found that her farm wasn't very fertile for some reason she didn't fully understand. <laughs> I probably would have had that problem. And then I would have ran to Fogu. Good old yep. Fogu. God bless Fogu. <laughs> it helps that when we suck at Harvest Moon, it picks us up and says, no, you don't. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it explains the Rooney system. It's really fairly complex what you do to get it fully in balance so you don't have to maintain it quite as much. <sighs> Fogu <laughs> sounds like the great support system for all Rune Factory players. Clearly. Also a place where lots of adorable little like teenagers talk about who they want to marry in every game. <laughs> That's it's true. Everybody just talks about who they want to marry. I mean <laughs> we did it last time on the Harvest Moon podcast and this time around everybody seems to either be picking the same person or they didn't bother to marry anybody. <laughs> Well, you, if we would have a good discussion if more people had played Frontier, because there's a lot of really good bachelorettes, and I was, I was really kind of torn between Selfie and the the male girl, um, until Selfie said that she would rather be the Wicked Queen than the than the than the pretty princess, and that sealed it for me. Like, but I want you to be my pretty pretty princess. Although, although uh, Sam, I do find it rather funny that all the hilarity of Rune Factory is due to a jaded translator. Uh huh. Yep. Poor, poor Jessica. Her, her mind wasn't borked then, but, you know, as she, I guess as soon as Trails came along, you know, this year, it was like, eh. So, this this was just the story of, this was the first project she was put on, and she just thought, well, I'm going to put my touch to it. Well, if she was responsible for some of Selfie's lines, I thank her. <laughs> Indeed. I just find it funny that uh, Mist is a creepiness was all by design. <laughs> Mist is a creeper! She does annoying stuff that makes you go, seriously, woman, I need a restraining order. I'd put a restraining order on Mist. <laughs> or, I mean, you could do what Ada did and just, you know, stop her from doing it by marrying her. No thanks! I keep it. <laughs> I don't blame you. Anyway, should we move on? I think we should. Uh, <laughs> this, this oh, I don't know. I think you were exploring deep ground for the story. I was about to say. <laughs> well, it sounds like it's pretty cool. It's too bad the Ruinies had to ruin some of the uh, enjoyment of the game. But, uh, it really is. Because it sounds like there's, you know, it's it's it. in contrast to many of the other Harvest Moon games, this one actually has a pretty deep story and character development. Well, I'm really hoping that Rune Factory Oceans has the similar level of that. I don't suppose Exceed is um, 
uh, is going to be localizing that. Do we know? Natsume is. Natsume is? Oh. It probably Natsume won't be quite as it. fun then. And uh, they changed the name of it to uh, Tides of Destiny. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, I yeah. just hope that they don't go too lol bikinis and actually make it good. I hope the tide doesn't come in too low. Tides <laughs> of Destiny makes me think of a Barbara Streisand movie. <laughs> Ew. Well. She's no Cher. Last, but... Is that good or bad, Sam? I love Cher, so this is like, Barbara Streisand is lame and Cher is awesome. Don't make me start singing Cher. <laughs> I want to sing Cher, but we have to but talk about you, Root Factory well, 3. if you sang Cher, you'd have to start with, if I could turn back time. You know Clearly. That. That's what I was thinking. Well, if I could turn back time. November 9, 2010. <laughs> then you would be out of the stores buying Rune Factory 3. Rune Factory 3 developed by Neverland Company, published by Natsume here in North America. Like I said, November 9, 2010 for the Nintendo DS. This is a simulation single-player RPG experience. Now, it's rated E for everybody, but I also noticed that this one is rated A by Zero. So, A must mean this is a really an adult-oriented game with gritty action, because you can turn to a killer sheep and stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, so this game, I spent months mocking this game before it came out, because honestly, this kid's like, Rune Factory 3, you're going to be a sheep boy. Yeah. Like, a sheep boy. So I just spent months mocking it. I was sure I was never going to play this game, and it was going to totally suck like Rune Factory 2. And then when it came out, I was reading the Penny Arcade forums, and there's a bunch of these, like, dudes who were like, this game is the best Rune Factory game ever. And I was like, seriously? And it turns out it really is a very good game. It is the best Rune Factory game and the best Harvest Moon game ever. Go figure. (laughs) Even though you're a sheep boy. Even though you're a sheep boy. That is actually done well. That's the thing. The, sh- the actual mechanic of being a sheep boy is actually done exceptionally well, and it's actually one of the aspects that makes this game shine. Rune Factory 3 is a game about racism. Yay! Um, pretty much the hero has the ability to transform into a woolly, which is a little sheep. He's found in a forest um, by a young girl. I believe her name is Rosetta. Not Rosetta. Um, Shauna. Right? Is that her name? Shauna? I think so. Shana? Yeah. Shana, She's something like Shana. that. Shana. He's found by this flower girl named Shana in a forest. And she finds him in the woolly... F- I think it's... No, she finds him as the human form. No, it's a woolly no, form. No, she finds him remember. as the woolly form. Right, right, right. So she finds him as the woolly form, and she takes him home. She nurses him back to health, and she's all like, it's okay, little woolly, like, we'll be friends, and I'll come find even you though, in the forest, and I'll take care of you. Even though her grandfather hates monsters. Yeah, her grandfathers are like, you get the disgusting monster out of here. And she's like, no, monsters are okay. Like, they're not going to hurt people. And so she tries to let you back out into the wild, and you turn back to your human form. You go into the town, and you, you talk to her again. She's like, oh, hey, some traveler. Like, how's it going? And the main character's like, okay, she doesn't know my secret. This is good. Um, and pretty much what ends up happening is she lets the hero into the town. She gives him this beautiful house and farm that's inside of a tree. Like, graphical prowess. Yay! In the case yeah, of this, this is one. one of the nicest looking DS games out there. Wait, the farm is inside a tree? Yep. Yep. How big is this tree? Huge. Really freaking huge. 
Just so, checking. So he's given, you know, a farm that's inside of a tree, and it's right next to the town, and Shanna pretty much tells him, like, you should go introduce yourself to the town members and all that kind of stuff. So the first aspect is, you know, you have to try to play incognito. You have to try not to show people that you are sheep. And, like, you can transform willingly in and out of the sheep form, but if somebody who's human is around, you can't do it. So you have to be really careful, like, because there are some aspects of the game where you have to be in the sheep form to do things and vice versa. And as well, the it's not like on, you have to be really careful. It just won't let you transform if you're, if yeah, you're, you're someone who can see you. <laughs> but you know what I mean. The game tries to make it like, ooh, you better be careful not to do it. Yeah. Um, so as it goes on, like, you, you go into one of the dungeons, and it just so happens that you find the Village of the Monsters. And you can only go into the Village of the Monsters if you're in the sheep form. And you meet their, their leader, who... She's called an Unavir, so she's got a horn for her head. Who <laughs> does like, Here's her head. There's a horn, and she's got a horn. Like, she's like she's like a unicorn girl. She's a unicorn Basically. girl, yeah. And so it's it's really cute. She pretty much says like, "I hate humans. Humans treated our clan really bad." And so the hero's like, "Well, crap. I'm gonna have to make these two groups see eye to eye somehow." But in order to do that, like you have to go through each town and try to uh, go through the two towns and try to make both sides happy. So. You know, that eventually they'll come together. So, that's the whole main premise of the game. It actually has a substantial plot, which is kind of bizarre for a Harvest for a Harvest Moon and even a Rune Factory game. So, like, there, there is substance there, and the localization is actually surprisingly good. So, mm-hmm. it actually helps the story along, and it doesn't feel forced or boring in any sort of way. So but this game also are you has willing to... to take this as a good sign that Natsume has gotten a handle on competent localizations, or is it too early to say? It well, might... they had. Oh, oh go, go ahead. ahead. Go. They had to be good at this game because one of the sticks in the game is there's this family of characters, and the father and one of the daughters both speak in opposites all, a lot of the time, and so you had to translate pretty well to get these characters that speak in opposites all the time, and you know hilarity I... ensues. As the the daughter as the daughter falls in love with you, she starts saying more and giving you more and more vile insults. <laughs> I love when she's all like, "I hate you," and then the main character's like, "Now is that good or bad?" And she's just like, "By the way, you suck." And then she walks away. Meanwhile, it's probably her translation of, "I like you. Follow me." <laughs> <laughs> Although all the opposites are, are are labeled in red text, so it's easy for you to know which. But your poor yeah. character gets confused. <laughs> Like they're that that's one of the better families in the game. Like they're they're pretty crazy, they're insane. <laughs> but they're not. I I still think, maintain that the most insane bachelor in the game was um, Daria, Rainbow, Rainbow Girl. Girl. Yeah, there's there's, a, there's a, <laughs> the artist. She likes rainbows a lot. <laughs> Every time you walk up to her, she's like rainbow. And if you if you um take her along with you into the dungeon, um. The only thing she can do is make rainbows. I don't even know if they damage the monsters. <laughs> she just makes rainbows. Yeah, that's actually one of the cool aspects of Rune Factory that's... 3. Okay. Um, you can actually take people from the town into the dungeons. And they're actually useful! <laughs> Not some like of them the are useful. Yeah, some of them are useful. But, I mean, it, it, compared to the monsters in the first couple games... Like, this is a big step up. There's a few characters who are actually great to use as party members, and then there's a few that are really crappy. Like, she like has a watering can. 
Yeah, Shayna's kind of lame. But, I mean, I love the uh, the inn lady. She has a frying pan. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the, inn, useful. the inn owner is um, actually a former samurai warrior, so she's, she's pretty powerful, actually. Yep. And uh, there's also a mermaid. One of the characters is hiding the secret that she is, in fact, a mermaid. It's not much and, of a secret because when it rains, she's standing out in the middle of town in her mermaid form. And she's all like, oh, I don't want people to see me. But, but, but mean, then she's standing out in the middle of the town in mermaid form. I makes no sense. Like, a lot of the characters in the town actually have um, secrets about being half-monster because she's not the only one who's half-monster. Who else is half-monster, Becky? My girlfriend. <laughs> and what's your girlfriend's name? Her name is Raven, and she's a pretty bird. Is she and, so Raven? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Actually, I should say that again. That was too She's easy. actually really sweet. She's very shy, and she, her social skills aren't that great, but she's really sweet. She's one of the cuter ones who's not actually batshit. Also, she's useful in the dungeons because she wields a sword because she's a blacksmith. Well, I guess she's not a blacksmith. She runs the weapon shop. She, she helps the, the weapon shop. She helps the blacksmith, who, love, he's a dwarf, and he loves blacksmithing so much that he forgets to do anything else with his life, so. Yeah. He's so cute. Yeah, I, the I, dwarf- sort of, I sort of wish there was a girl option in this game, just because I would have dated him. <laughs> in a heartbeat, because he's just so cute. I got something like... We, we should start mentioning um, one of the really cool things about this game and what makes it um, a very compelling Rune Factory game is that it has actually introduced a quest system. So you go to bulletin boards and pick up quests that the townspeople have given you, and it's through these quests that you work through their storylines. So they're on the surface, they're sort of fetch quests, but when you complete the quests, they're, they're actually all sort of stories, and that's how you get to know the townspeople and so almost every quest there's a few sort of random just get me this thing and it raises their favor a bit but mo- almost every other quest is actually a mini story um so that's how you get to know all the villagers and raise your heart levels with the girls and everything so you don't have to mindlessly just give everybody gifts um you'll that you may need to do that in between quests a little bit but you earn a lot of favor with the townspeople by doing quests and the quests tell stories so it's it makes it a really fun game well, not just that the bulletin board system's a lot better done in this game than it is in the second game, because in the second game, pretty much, it's you get a prize, and there's no real um, plot aspect to it. You only mm-hmm. get a plot aspect after you've completed, like, four quests for one person. So you have, like, four quests of fetching, and then the last one is like, okay, here's the actual plot line quest that we've actually wanted to tell you this whole time. Whereas in 3, you don't have that problem. Most of the plot quests are happening during, you know, like if one's a fetch quest, you'll still get a little bit of plot after the fetch quest when the quest is over. So it's a little bit better. But a lot of them, you're also actually actively doing the quest, too. Yeah. Like you you go around um, helping the shopkeeper's daughter sort of decide whether she wants to move away to the city or not. Stuff like that, so... And I know with the uh, the blacksmith, you know, he's trying to get you to help Raven be social. So he's trying to get you to do quests that require, you know, taking her out and making sure she does things and getting to know her because, like, he's really worried about her just because she's kind of socially inept. And he feels sorry for her, so he thinks that, you know, well, your, your hero is, like, this really nice guy, so perhaps, you know, he can fix the situation. 
Um, then there's like another character who runs the general store, Hazel, and she's like, my daughter is a lazy bum. Can you fix her? She is a lazy <laughs> bum. <laughs> well, she'll, she'll come in to pick up your, your, your shop items if you put them in the shipping bin, and she's all like, this is boring. I'm bored. I want to go back to bed. You're boring. And that's all she says at you. <laughs> so, like, as you go on, if you actually decide to but woo she, her, she gets a little better when you try to woo her, but her dialogue is, yeah. I want to go kill myself right now. I'm so <laughs> bored. <laughs> so, I, I liked Did her. Did play this one? No. She has it, though. She knows she needs to play it. Sounds like it. So. Like, yeah, it's really good. Like, if anyone's going to start playing their Infactory series, start with three. Yep. Three is just, it refines every aspect of what went wrong in one and two. And, like, this is the game where you can really tell that Neverland had been taking notes and looking at what went wrong with the first two games. And, like, they've made an almost perfect package here. Like, there's no denying that they put so much soul and effort into this game to make it feel like a unique experience. Having the transformation aspect really did help make this game into something more than just, you farm, you go into dungeons. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that effort was very much appreciated. And just even the, in, the social interactions of the game were just so well done. You and really it's interesting because it sounds like, at least from the description of the next Harvest Moon game that's coming out on portables, I think they're adopting the bulletin board system, quest system for the, what is it, the Twin Villages? Yeah. I, it sounds like they're going to have a bulletin board quest system in those too. So it's something that will hopefully help sort of improve the entire series and give players a little bit more direction in the games, which is pretty awesome. I mean, the one thing I loved about 3 was the fact that the pacing was, was perfect. It was. You never felt like there was too much to do. You never felt like there was too little to do. It was just perfectly balanced. And, I mean, the plot itself was really cute, especially because, you know, when you get married in that game, your bachelorette, the day that you're going to marry her and everybody's all happy, like the... the um, the animal race and the human race are all like, hey, we love each other. Your, your bride gets kidnapped and you have to go find her in a dungeon. <laughs> and it's done really well because, like, I picked Shanna and Shanna was just like, come save me. I like flowers. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten to that part yet. It's it's really cute because, like, the main I guess character... we really shouldn't be spoiling this game because it's actually not old enough to be on the backtrack in yeah. the first place. But, you know. Yeah, but it's one of those... Like, the, the ending experience is worth going for, and it's really sweet. And the characters are just so likable in this game. I mean, hell, we even got Glenn Wilson, you know, the guy who hates every video game out there to play Rune Factory 3, and he adored it. Yeah, after, after he spent years telling us that no Harvest Moon or Rune Factory game is actually an RPG. <laughs> and then, funny enough, he read my review and was like, okay, you know what? I'm curious now. I think you're a liar. He called me a liar. How rude. <laughs> and then he went and played it, and he was like, I owe you an apology. Anyone who talks to Glenn on a regular basis knows that liar is one of the lighter terms he can use. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, he, he told me, he emailed me and said, Sam, I owe you an apology. This is actually a really good game. Yeah, and I had to apologize to her, too, because I'd been mocking it for months, and it was actually really good. (laughs) Like, nobody believed me when I was saying, it's like, I think this game's going to be great. No, wait, I told you to play it. Yeah, you you did. 
Because I, I was like, I know this game is going to be great, but I have a fear of disappointment because, let's face it, the first two games are pretty hit or miss, and I was kind of, I was interested, but I wasn't interested, and then Becky said, people on Penny Arcade are saying this is good. So I, I poked my boyfriend, good old foul sorceress, and I said, Scott, you're going to get me this game. So it came in a day, and I beat it in four days, <laughs> and then posted the review. Nice. It was just one of those experiences where I was sitting and I was so glued to my DS that I didn't want to stop. And very seldom does a DS game do that to me. I never feel compelled to sit with my DS, but Rune Factory 3 did it. It made me sit there. I was completely glued and, you know, I was enjoying. I was actually laughing. I didn't think anything in the game was particularly stupid or dumb. And the the quest system really keeps you playing. It's one of those sort of one more quest kind of things. Like, ooh, I, I the next day I think I'm going to get the next quest to advance this character storyline. So it's it, instead yeah. of instead of like usually when you're trying to advance your relationships in these games, it's like okay, I got to get five more turnips to mist, <laughs> you know. But this one, it's actually like ooh, there's going to be a quest, and I'm going to find out more about the story, or I'm going to go into a dungeon with somebody. So it's pretty neat. That's exactly how I felt. And you know what? That's a sign of a great game. It really is. If a game can pull you into its world and and make you feel like, oh, just that one more quest, you know it's doing it right. And, I mean, to anyone who's never played the series, like Becky said, this is the best one to start with. Because there's... it, It doesn't feel soulless like 2 does. And as much as 2 had good ideas, they were executed so poorly. And it doesn't have the overwhelmingness that the first game has. So that's one of the, the better aspects. It's probably the most accessible, I'd say, of, of the four games. It sounds like Frontier, there's a, a bit of a learning curve in, with the Rooney system. Hmm. Yeah, that one. I, I am really looking forward to um, Rune Factory, Tides of Destiny, or whatever the heck it is. Because <laughs> if it if it continues the systems that they've put in place so far, plus has the production values of the Wii um, that that we've seen, like it looks like it's going to have really nice production values too. It should be um, a really good game too. Plus it's going to have trophies for PS3 users. Yeah, trophies. whatever. <laughs> I'm playing it on the Wii. I'm going to play it on PS3. And it's, gonna, it's also know. the first high-def Rune Factory Harvest Moon game. It's going to be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it will probably look a lot like the Wii version, but you know. I know. But that's what they're trying to sell me on right now, and I'm just like, it just looks so pretty, and there's a moving island, and there's gender bending. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, but I can't I can't make myself mock the dual-gendered protagonist because Sheep Boy turned out so well. It's true. We now have to kind of be careful. <laughs> we can just mock it for bikini fun times. And we can always mock Rainbow Girl because she's really weird. <laughs> Just, oh my goodness, the Bachelorettes in that game. They are all nut jobs. Every single one of them. <laughs> they have nothing sane about themselves. It's like, oh god. <laughs> oh yeah, there's was... the... Sorry. Oh, I was saying, yeah, among, um, after Opposite Girl, there's also the... the um, innkeeper's daughter who really loves to eat but she's really skinny and <laughs> she's a little weird although she's a little less weird than some of the others <laughs> yeah. yeah lazy shop girl 
I'm sure mermaid girl. Mermaid girl who's who's quite odd. And the, uh, the innkeeper's, innkeeper's daughter. Daughter who is kind of like Rosetta in Frontier. She really likes to sell things a lot. She's very materialistic, but she actually has, um, she's directionless. Most of her quests, like, have you going to find her because she got lost somewhere. And it's like, ah, <laughs> oh. It's like, I hate going to get you. Stop but she's pretty lost. sweet, though. No, she's, she's very, unlike, like, unlike Rosetta. Nice like, she's not a biatch like Rosetta was in, in Frontier. She's actually fairly sweet. So. Yeah, she's not malicious by any means compared to uh, some of the other characters. Like, um, <laughs> Opposite's girl's sister is like, she's such a, she's awful. She's I like, like Opposite girl's sister. Opposite girl's sister's not a bachelorette, though. She's just a regular character. Well, she's a designer, so she can give you yeah. new clothes. And some of the new clothes you get are just so bizarre. It's like they were inspired well, she- by ye olden fashion. <laughs> she 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 um she does makes clothes out of things that you shouldn't be making clothes out of like food items and random stuff from the ground and things like that. So it's a running joke in the game that she's actually a really terrible fashion designer, but she thinks she's great. But she, she doesn't speak in opposites, <laughs> which is weird. Mm-hmm. And she, and you know she's the love interest for the dwarf, right? Yes, even though I don't want her to be. Uh, I, like I want to be the. I wanted to be the love interest for the dwarf. We've established this. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Rune Factory 3, awesome sauce. Oh, wait. We have to mention Carlos and, and Carmen. Oh, yes. Those two are so weird. <laughs> the incest twins. <laughs> yeah, those two there have a really weird relationship. Also, Carlos speaks like a 90s surfer. So everything is, sup, dude? How's it going? Radical. And you're just like, What? Yeah, Carlos and Carmen are brother and sister, and Carmen is actually a um, romanceable character, but the two of them are just a little bit too close for brother and sister. And um, apparently, if you marry Carmen, Carlos moves in too. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Time for some threesomes. But, oh. but like the whole time, the whole time, like whenever you go anywhere with her or chat with her, like Carlos is always behind you, like, don't you touch my sister, man. <laughs> oh man, I love it. There's also one other character I forgot to mention who I love, which is Monica, which is Shanna's little sister. Monica, pretty much when you when you do the quest, she's like, I hate you. You suck. I'm gonna bite you. So everything with her, she always looks like she's gonna come up and bite you. <laughs> Anywhere you go, like if you walk away with her sister, she like stalks you <laughs> to make sure you're not doing anything inappropriate. <laughs> and she does bite you on a regular basis. Basis. <laughs> There's, like, no way around it. Even when she, even when you, you tell Monica, like, hey, I'm going to marry your sister, she's like, yay, that's great, and then she bites you. <laughs> well, yeah, because, well, when, you be, when you're befriending her, you, you like, you, she'll start to be like, oh, and she starts to blush, and then she bites you because she doesn't know what else to do. And she's got, she goes, the character portrait has a great face, too. It's like, ah! <laughs> she has, like, her hands up, and she just looks like she's, like, going to jump you. It's awesome. I loved her. She was one of my favorite characters. <laughs> Oh yes, Just and then because, there's like, the then there's the uh, witch in town whose whose grandmother is like the town healer, but the witch wants to use um, modern technology, <laughs> witch girl, and so she's always messing things up and like she she experiments on the innkeeper's daughter all the time, who is apparently very very patient, so she's always like making her pass out and making her do like turn into things and stuff like that. She also has a tendency that she might once in a while blow up the house. 
Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> and Grandma doesn't think anything of it. It's great. She's just like, oh, she's just playing. It's not a big deal. I Meanwhile, she's just spirited. <laughs> yeah, and you're just, and the player's just looking like, what? <laughs> and no one in town will go to the doctor anymore. <laughs> it's like, no, because if she's the one doing it, we're all going to get, like, diseases. I think at one point you have to find somebody to test her medicine on, and you have to go to yep. every single villager in the town, and every single one says no. And you have and to go yeah. back, like, sorry. So they think she shoots you with it or something. Yeah. The, the other option is if you fail to get someone else to do it, she just does it on you. She's like, okay, well, you're going to be my victim. And it's like, huh? And then she does it. <laughs> and the screen goes to black. So, so yeah, fun. the characters are a lot of fun, and pretty much almost all of the spousal options are batshit insane. <laughs> but like, they're the I'm fun kind up of. On that. They're they're the fun kind of batshit though. That's yes. the thing. It's like as long as you don't I do think, these I people in real life. Guano, ladies. Guano insane. No. Yeah. <laughs> right, and Phil's gonna just have to break out with his favorite phrase. <laughs> It's the only proper way to describe them, though. Yeah, really. I mean, would you like Glenn to explain it to you? Because he'd probably use nastier words than we are. Well, Glenn married opposite girl because she was the most insane. (laughs) Well, he liked the fact that she insulted him. (laughs) Sam and I went for the two least insane ladies, and Glenn went for the most insane one. He's like, I married opposite girl. She insults me every day. We have true love. It's like, oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> that, that would suit Glenn seeing as how his personality would be best described as abrasive. <laughs> probably. Well, we love you, Glenn, even though you're probably not listening to this. Indeed. <laughs> well, I'd ask you all for a wrap-up to say what your favorite game is, but I think it's pretty clear what the uh, two experts, anyways, uh, think of which uh, which one's the best one to get. And doing a little research here while we're talking, um, that's actually the most expensive, too. <laughs> uh, even though it's only been out for a few months, the people on uh, like Half.com and eBay are actually selling it higher than the retail price. So you're better off grabbing this guy on Amazon, where right now it's running for 30 bucks. So if you're looking to grab that one, Harvest Moon 3. Better do it before Amazon sells out. Yeah. Because the best price I could find on eBay on a buy it now is twenty eight bucks plus uh, shipping, and not uh, Rune Factory three though, not yeah. Harvest Moon three. Sorry, Rune Factory <laughs> three, big difference. Um, <laughs> so yeah, probably best just to go ahead and grab it off of Amazon or at your local EB or something along those lines and get it before it runs out because apparently there's a demand for it. After listening to this podcast, that demand will triple. That's right. So, well, thank y'all so much. We're going to take a tiny little break, and when we come back, we're going to wrap this up with the final lap, and we're going to find out once and for all who is the best, uh, who is the best uh, podcaster in RPG Backtrack. We'll be right back.
Yeah, yeah, I was looking at the at the forum post, and uh, apparently, apparently, um, Shadow forty six ninety nine has decided who is the best RP backtrack person. And guess what, Mike? Yeah, it's Shadow really, really likes. Uh, well, why don't we let the recipient of this honor talk about it herself? Well, before before we talk about the recipient, let let's talk about who got runner up. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! Becky, you. Becky, you are the runner-up. How does this make you feel knowing that you were selected as the second best podcaster on RPG Backtrack by Shadow4699? Well, um, I, I find it flattering, although I also find Shadow um, posts a little bit difficult to read, so he might be in the running for being a Rune Factory 3 Bachelorette, I'm just saying. <laughs> And and the number one honor went to Sam Marshmallow. I won! I won! I won! No, Ralph, you failed English. He failed English. That's impossible. He loves you. He really loves you. Oh my God! Why should I learn English? I'm never going to England. So, since you two are clearly the best, Mike and I have decided to hand the whole podcast over to you. I'm taking a vacation. No, you're not. Yep, that means next time Sam gets to talk all about uh, a bunch of games in which people die and stay dead. Over and over again. Yeah, they stay dead. Well, yeah. I think Becky and I will just make up our own plot for those, and nobody know exactly what we're talking about. But it'll be okay, because we'll make it fun and interesting. Just saying. I'm telling you guys. If you let me take over this show, I'm going to be doing podcasts on things like Pastimes and Tone Town, and then nobody will listen anymore. Um, and no, that was not an RPG. It was an adventure game. Uh, talk about Ishtar. So, thro- Throne oh, of... Yeah. No, that's okay. Throne of the Draverous wrote about our Ultima podcast, and... Um, did spend his whole post gushing over the ladies. Instead, he said that he was surprised to hear uh, that the earlier games were the fan favorites from that podcast, uh, or were favorite favorite over the fan favorite, which is number seven. Um, he guessed it wasn't as original as the earlier games, but being a more standard tale of good versus evil compared to more interesting setups in four through six. Uh, but it also had one of the worst combat systems ever. Still, he thought the writing was a step up, and the vastly improved graphics and music made a huge difference. But he didn't play any of them where they were than when they were released, though. So that makes a difference, and, and it kind of does. We look a lot, lot of this through the ruby eyeglass colored glasses and whatever have you. So, well, I will say that that Ultima Seven definitely had um, the most immersive world. Like that was the one where you could do just about anything with just about anything in the world, and that was pretty awesome. But yeah, I I sort of preferred the slightly more morally nuanced um, six. Well, that's true. I mean, I remember, I remember when I was first reading some reviews about uh, Elder Scrolls Morrowind and how you could pick up a lot of the different items in there. They would always compare it with Ultima Seven and the fact that you can really pick up so much of the stuff there and do stuff with it. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, four through six, I guess, just captured our podcaster's attention. So, um, 
And Ombra says that for the most part, he played only three and four on the NES and Sega Master Systems. He did finish them both, which is an accomplishment. Um, he uh, choices to play the console versions of them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's just something about using a trick that you can read about on the boards if you're desperate for a trick to get through the console version of number three there. And uh, he said that the Ultima 4, that NES was a very easy one. You didn't have to find a mantra for each shrine. You didn't need to solve the puzzles with all the letters, etc., etc., etc. But the one on the Sega Master System was a lot harder. So there's a thought if you're playing through the different kinds on emulators or something like that. So, but he had lots of good memories and from both those games. You haven't played Ultima unless you've actually learned how to read the runic alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> By the time I'd played enough, I could actually look at the maps of a new game and read the, <laughs> read the names of the towns. Somebody, uh, Kiosk, said, uh, well, this was kind of hit or miss for you guys, but it was understandable why. Still, I would have appreciated maybe just summing up the ones, uh, summing up the ones no one played and relying less on Wikipedia. Well, but that's Phil. what Wikipedia is for. Uh, hello? Yeah. I mean, come on, man. How do we sum up something we haven't even played before unless we read it directly off of Wikipedia word for word? Hello? Yeah, we, uh, if, we don't, if we're doing an Ultima retrospective, we have to talk about all of them. Yeah, and granted, it does sound different when I'm sitting there reading something verbatim off a website. I was trying to make it sound somewhat organic, but uh, there's only so much improvising I can do when I'm reading it right off the website. So, um, And yeah, I felt that it was kind of important to go over the plot points in those games because, first of all, this is RPG Backtrack. We got to spoil these things after all. We got to show them, you know, justice and... Um, yeah, it was just, you know, those are plot-driven games, and I think I felt like people should, you know, we, we, it was fun going a little bit more in detail with them. I, maybe maybe Kyosk wasn't as interested, but I, who had never played any of the Ultimate games, just listening to you all through that whole podcast, by the time we got to the last ones that no one had really dived into, I was actually kind of curious what happened in the plots in some of those later games. I mean, they're, they stink bad enough to where no one's ever going to want to go and play them anyways, so at least find out what the plots were. <laughs> Oh, well. well, I don't know. Ultima 8 isn't supposed to be terrible, just assuming you're fine with it being an action game instead of an RPG. Mm-hmm. Yep. But not being terrible and being worth playing are not synonymous terms. Kyosk also says, I really like knowing that the game series was responsible for some things we see in almost every RPG these days. Separate battle screens, shifting perspective on maps, RPG fascination with space travel. I look forward to hearing about Rune Factory. It's not a game I've ever played, but I found the Harvest Moon backtrack interesting, though it ran a little long. What? It didn't run long. Come on. (laughs) You just don't remember the last half of it. Yeah, well, that's because I was drinking. See, if you drink, Kyosk, the key to getting through, when when you download an RPG backtrack, and you see it's over 100 megabytes, uh, that usually means it's going to be more than two hours or so. That's when you want to break out the brewskis or any other adult beverage that you can get your hands on. It, it just it goes much more fun that way. But this one, we didn't quite go as long because we didn't quite have as many games to cover. So. And also, Anna didn't feel qualified to discuss these games, so she wasn't here to suck out the time length. Because we all know Anna is the one who adds the most time to these things, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And there was even a little Shin Megami Tensei level on the forums this week, too. Right, Mike? (laughs) I don't remember that. I have to look and see what you're talking about because it's not ringing a bell. What is it? When we, uh, uh, when, when, because uh, uh, Shami wrote, the Harvest Moon show is about on the high end of what makes an enjoyable podcast, in my humble oh, opinion. Yeah, yeah. Now, the Super Robot Dwarf show, someone's implying that that one was long. 
Well, Shyman, I have this to say. If it was something that you just couldn't stop talking about and you were on the podcast, I like to think that you would gush rhapsodic and not stop either. Plus, I was not alone. I had several others joining me for that. And I know Super that Becky has just boys. plugged her ears because she doesn't want to hear anything about this. I love my I love my newsies, I really do, but their super robot fandom just baffles me. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah. That would be quid and twin for those that vote no. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I- and foul, although he is not technically a newsie. No, I'm not responsible for foul. Sam is and she <laughs> she even remarked upon how she can't control the giant robot nerd she dates. No, no, I can't. He's really difficult to deal with some days. And since there's been a number of comments, I mean, these kind of comments kind of tie in. And some of it's just joking around and stuff, but it isn't the first time I've seen kind of the comments regarding the, the length of the show and whatnot. At the end of the day, RPG Backtrack is really a forum for... Uh, for us, the staff members at RP Gamer, to really uh, gush over or sometimes uh, poke fun at the games we love or hate. Um, and when it comes to the games that we love, we love them a lot and we have a lot to say. Um, so those podcasts uh, are going to tend to run a little bit long because this is the one and only chance that we get to get on the podium and talk about those shows. Chances are we will never do another uh, Super Robot Tyson show again or another Rune Factory show. We might, but it's highly unlikely. So our- As I said in the forums, I knew that Valkyrie Profile is Sam's favorite game ever, so I was inclined to let her wax rhapsodic as much as she wanted to. Yeah. And she did. And she did. Thank so, you. so uh, yeah, those shows will tend to run a lot longer than, let's say, a typical run-through of uh, Xenogears or something like that. I don't know. Xenogears. Did that one run long, too? We haven't even done it. Oh, good. Because Xenogears is going to be one of those things with so much and so baffling of content. I gather the second disc just gets really, really weird. That oh, I was thinking Xenosaga. I think pe- yeah, Xenosaga we took a little time with, but... Honestly, it didn't go as long as I expected. Yeah. I mean, we freely admit this is not exactly a super professional podcast where we have exact time limits on things and, and you know, move people along exactly when we think they should be moved along and edit it for, you know, length and da 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 No. <laughs> I let people ramble and, you know, sometimes I put an amp or stand here and there. <laughs> then we post it right on the internet and tell to have a good day. So... Um, but we would love to hear, you know, any of any other uh, comments aside about length. Let's put the length issue aside for the moment because that's probably not going to change. But if you have any uh, other criticisms or comments about how much you apparently like the ladies more than you like the guys, uh, <laughs> or anything else about the show, we'd love to hear about it at rpgamer or uh, board.rpgamer.com. So feel free to leave your comments on there. Uh, Mr. Roy, is there anything you would like to say to our audience before we head out? Anything you want to plug or talk about or anything like that? Uh, yes. Uh, be sure to listen to the RPG Sanctum because we are ten times better than the RPG Backtrack. But <laughs> Probably a lot shorter, too. Calculate this, Roy. What mathematics did you use to compute this astonishing figure? I'm going to use new math. To- I was the good. stuff that has been debunked. Well, I'm, 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 I'm using the math that when I did the pre-E3 show, I had seven guests on it, including myself. And I managed to get through the whole Skype call with no one dropping. Congratulations. <laughs> the internet doesn't so, hate you. 
So I apply that just due to the sheer love the internet has shown me, that I therefore must be better. <laughs> Sam, Becky, how many crashes were there during the Pokemon backtrack? A lot. Okay. Were there? I don't remember. The I think I was the one, the only one who died that night. Emo face. <laughs> But um, for those that may not have been paying attention to the Sanctum's release schedule, we just did a show the other day of uh, download versus physical media. That one was a shorter show, but um, for those that are wanting RP Gamers official pre-E3 um, plans, and be sure to check out the 11th Sanctum, which that one's going to run. That one ran about two and a half hours. Yay! <laughs> Hmm. Also, I'm still the apparently favorite, so there. Oh, jeez. Mm. Becky, is there anything you would like to say to the audience? I have an unusual plug. Do you, if you like pinball, you should check out Pinball FX2 on uh, Xbox 360. It's actually really good and a lot of fun, and that's what I've sort of been playing lately when I haven't been writing because I've been doing a lot of writing for my jobs lately. Um, so that's just a little thing if you're... If you've decided that uh, you don't have time to play a uh, crazy um, in-depth RPG for a while, check out um, Pinball FX2. It's kind of cool, too, because you can download the uh, main game for free and then just buy whichever tables or table packs you're interested in. Cool. Miss uh, Marshmallow. Um, I don't really have anything to plug other than I have delicious gummy bears and good company and Ada made me tea and... I don't know. I don't really have much to say other than I'm on vacation, suckers. <laughs> yes, and I as always, vacation. you have a really funny way of being on vacation by working. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Just once in a while, i got to do something. I logged I, in I on Monday to do something, and Sam had already done it. <laughs> Ooh, you know what? See, Sam, you took Becky's slot that day. What do you oh, say about that? I don't really care. I was like, oh, well, I'll just pretend Memorial Day's a holiday in Canada, too, when I logged out. <laughs> there wasn't what? anyone on the channel. <laughs> I can't help it that sometimes I like to do things. I have to keep my writing skills up. It's just how I go. On the other hand, I've been lulling about Dragon Age 2 with Ada, and that's like the best thing ever right now. Because Meryl is a twit. <laughs> Yeah, funny Dragon Age 2 fact is that apparently, according to Steam, I have played it for 185 hours. That's how much what? I love it. I only played it for 30 hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, including all replays and whatnot. Miss uh, Ada, is there anything you'd like to say? Good thing her mic was muted so we couldn't hear that clearly. Mr. Miki, what's the latest review you've done? Uh, well, I nothing new since those two reviews for, Val, for Valkyrie Profile, Simularia, and Covenant of the Plume, but there will be one soon of a, well, it'll be a Fire Emblem game. And it will probably not be first Thracia 776. I will have much to say on that in the near future, however. Mm. And if you've been looking at the forums, you can guess what some of those things I have to say will be. Because uh, they will be colorful, profane, blue, obscene, in fact. They, will, uh, they might provoke uh, 
the vein in my forehead to bulge threateningly, although none of you will be able to see it. So well, I guess the main can... question is, oh, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, if you can beat Glenn's rant on Blazing Souls Acolyte, I will be very proud of you. And all I have to wonder was, uh, Mike, is it worth the over $100 you spend on it? <laughs> Sam, you have to wait until next time. I'm not spoiling Ooh. Oh. No. <laughs> but I want to know now. Uh, I'm going to Scotland. You should tell me now. No. Well, the punishment for saying we want to know now is to go watch a John Ford movie. No. I thank all of you for being on the show today. I thank our audience for listening to RPG Backtrack. Um, be here in a couple more weeks. We'll be talking about, as Mike alluded to, we'll be talking about Fire Emblem games, a whole slew of them. Is, are we talking about every single one ever made, Mike? No, we're not talking about the newest one on the DS that has not come over here yet, mostly because it is idiotically expensive to acquire on eBay. And we're not talking about the first two on NES because I never owned my own NES, and I'm not importing any Famicom games for an NES I don't own. Mm, good point. So be ready to look out for uh, RPG Backtrack number 47. Dying that is easy. A lot. We have a lot of we have a lot of yeah fire emblems to talk about. So you'll have to, that's one of the ones you'll want to bring the alcoholic the, the adult alcoholic beverages to. Um, <laughs> yes, maybe you can use that to soothe your own memories of saying, "Crap, Ellawood just died again." Ooh, Game actually, over. I want to. I want to bring a children's alcoholic beverage instead of an adult one. Is that one okay? Okay, back. Oh, I'm not sure what that would be, but I trust you to make the wise decision. I don't think they're made in America. You have to go somewhere else. <laughs> I don't know if Can- I don't know if Canada supplies them either. No, no, they don't. Maybe France. <laughs> RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email me, jcservant at rpgamer.com, and help shape our future shows. Don't forget to follow us at twitter.com slash rpgamer and become our biggest fans at facebook.com slash rpgamer. As always, listen to our previous podcasts as well as our sister shows, RPG Cast and RPG Sanctum, all at rpgamer.com. Mr. Mike, put this little lamb to bed. Claims by Mr. Burnett that RPG Sanctum is ten times better than RPG Backtrap are to be taken with several grains of salt. Have you always wondered what would happen if farmers took up arms to protect their right to grow crops and woo potential spouses instead of calling in the army? Rune Factory does not necessarily provide an accurate representation of what would happen in this scenario, but it does demonstrate how to meld crop simulation with a combat akin to The Legend of Zelda or Diablo. Take your pick. The results are, well, mixed, but at best, this series manages to be quite mind-bogglingly baffling with its oddball dialogue. Oh, and rather fun, too.
Okay.